An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train! Episode 426, submission number 993, Time Express. Time Express aired on CBS from April 26th to May 17th, 1979 for four episodes. A fourth of a crack block! So that would be 12 less episodes than the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, J.J. Starbuck, Schooled, Misfits of Science, the number of aired episodes of Salvage One, Tiger King, Little Bush, and of course, Uncle Croc's Block. Now, guys, this is the second episode that starts in April of 1979. You don't want to know what the other one is? Don't say turnabout. Don't say turnabout. No. Oh, good. Few. Oh, yeah. Nice. Doctor Who was not the first TV series to ask the question, what if you could go back in time? Would you change anything? It just happens to be the one that did it the best. But there was almost an American version of the show in 1979. And the Doctor was almost in the visage of St. Louis's Master of the Macabre himself, Vincent Price. React. React. It would be even better than Vincent Price, guys. If they had a time machine to follow this show, to go into the future, pluck Bill Hader out of the 2000s, and do the Bill Hader-Vincent Price impression on this show. Greetings, weary travelers. My name is Vincent Price. Tonight I offer you passage into the darkest recesses of the supernatural. Hark! Do you hear that? Is that the children of the night crying out in unimaginable agony? Or is it my Thanksgiving special? 
It's Vincent Price's Thanksgiving Day Special. Now, please welcome your nefarious host, the master of horror, Vincent Price. Thanksgiving, a holiday originating with the pagan festival of Grabnashnishnak, where naked, blood-soaked man-beasts feasted on the entrails of pe peasant children. It was either that or the pilgrims came up with it. You know, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I went to a small school. It was just me and two other guys. Well, let's go back to the actual Vincent Price because there's actually, you know, one of the things we like to say on this show is every televised failure has a story. And according to our research, the legend goes that Vincent Price was in the UK working on two films, Dr. Fibes Rises Again and Theater of Blood. Yeah, those sound like Vincent Price movies, don't they? When he saw some early 70s episodes of Doctor Who, it allegedly inspired him to create his own version of the show with himself as the Doctor. Now, hold on. He saw one moment of John Pertwee and he said, listen, Warzel Gummidge. I can do this a lot better than you. Something like that, yeah. Unfortunately for Vincent, he could not snap up the rights from the BBC, and so he developed a format similar to, but legally distinct from Doctor Who, with writers Ivan Goff and Ben Roberts, both of whom have been known for their work on such masterful television series as Mannix, and Charlie's Angels, and future entry Logan's Run. Here's the pitch. Doctor Who, but make it Super Train, traveling through the Twilight Zone. Invite passengers on board a time machine to go back to a critical moment and give them the opportunity to change the past and thereby the future. We don't have a phone box, but this is 1979. We can get a train. Now, hold on a second. Did Keenan Wynn develop this train too? No. Oh. This is actually peak Vincent Price. It's a ghost train. A ghost? Oh, this is even better. We have a ghost train. Now, the kids, they like science fiction. In 1979, they love the Star Wars, but you know what they also love? Time travel, but not even more than time travel. You know what they also love? Ghosts. So you have all three. You have science fiction, you have time travel, and you have ghosts in one show on a train. Ain't it great? That is fantastic. Mike, doesn't that sound like the greatest idea ever? I'm sold. I'd watch it. And this is an even better pitch than Salvage 1. Because as we all know, I said, if you had pitched me Salvage 1, I said, no, get this stuff out of here. If you had pitched me this, I'd be like, I'm sold. I'm sold on this. Thank you, Vincent Price. Yeah, just wait until we get to how it actually did in the face of its competition. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You see... Each episode featured two different characters, each given a ticket to the Time Express with their name, the destination city, 
and the destination date from an unseen head of the line. And this isn't just any date. This is a date that has exclusive significance or meaning to the bearer of the ticket. They were to report with the ticket to the special services desk at Los Angeles Union Station and present their ticket to the clerk who would direct them to Gate Y, Platform 13, which according to the public board is closed as, and this is the clerk talking, a security measure. It's to keep away anybody who isn't supposed to be there. So once the two passengers of the week descended upon the track, they are greeted with the sight of a sort of ghost train populated by the crew and passengers of the Allegheny Flyer, a train that derailed in 1886, killing everyone on board. Operated by engineer Patrick Callahan and conductor R.J. Walker, who, so far as we know, have died in that train wreck and are still dead, the train's new passengers are hosted by Jason and Margaret Winters, Maggie to her friends, their mortal status heretofore unknown. Jason and Maggie give us the details of their impending miraculous journeys, and after their backgrounds are given, the passengers are sent to their dates given the standard risks and warnings about time travel. From there, the adventure plays out until the critical moment where the passengers change something about the past and experience the consequences therein. After their trip, they return to the station with the knowledge that they had gained the rest of the world none the wiser. So, who do we have on board the Time Express? Well, we already talked about Vincent Price. He plays Jason Winters, the charismatic champagne sipping host of the train and his wife maggie is played by his actual wife at the time coral brown australian actress she was actually vera in 1958's anti-mame playing the ticket clerk woodrow parfy who was in the outlaw josie wales planet the apes and Dirty Harry. That's some resume. But he was in future entries, The Yellow Rose, Bay City Blues, and Bring Him Back Alive. And past entry, Mr. Merlin. So it kind of balances out. Playing the engineer, Patrick Callahan, William Edward Phipps, who was in The War of the World in 1953, Cinderella in 1950, yes, that's Cinderella in 1950, he voiced Prince Charming. Oh! He was in a litany of previous entries. He was in the Slap Maxwell story. He was in Tucker's Witch. He was in Tales of the Gold Monkey. And not for nothing, he was also on an episode of Jake and the Batman. Was it the episode where William Conrad asked Jake what was in the cheese Danish? What was in the Danish? He knew it was cheese if it was in the Danish. 
Can I have well, a problem with cheese? <laughs> well, hold on a second. A cherry Danish, that's going to be no problem for the fat man. If it was a cherry cheese Danish, that would give him a lot of problems. Oh, no. Well, I think if it's a cherry cheese Danish, since you have presumably equal parts cherry and cheese, it would only give him half the issues of a full cheese Danish. Right? Right. Yeah. So cherry cheese Danishes give him a little bit of problems, but not as bad as full-on cheese Danishes. And rounding out the cast as R.J. Walker is James Reynolds, who was on 2,758 episodes from 1981 to 2023 of Days of Our Lives. He was also on a 2015 episode of Wheel of Fortune, a 2013 episode of Top Chef Masters, a 2002 episode of Weakest Link, and five episodes, that is one week's worth of episodes of Previous Entry, Go. Oh, that's fantastic. Go. He was all over the place, but he's primarily known for his work on Days of Our Lives. Hey, guys, you forgot something. He was on a week of hot potato as well. Shut the f*** up, Mike. He was on a week of hot potato with Phil Collin. I feel honored to have been told to go f*** myself by Johnny Olson. <laughs> the ghost of Johnny Olson. Probably one of the hundred people on board the train when it derailed back in 1886. You're damn right I was on that train, too. Everybody got your tickets? Let's take a trip. Episode 1. Garbage Man and the Doctor's Wife. Wait, hold on a second. We all know the Doctor's Wife is River's song. Wrong Doctor. No. By the way, this being an anthology series, there are several people who make the rounds on such anthology series playing you know, guest shots. So, let's talk about these various passengers and their various trips. We going on our journey, son! Episode 1. The Garbage Man and the Doctor's Wife. Edward Chernoff returns to Cleveland in 1969 to return $2,000,000 that he found in the garbage. Time out. Mike, is this a common thing in Cleveland where people put money in the garbage? Okay, I was just going to say that. There's no chance in hell anybody just left money in the garbage in Cleveland. None. Well, actually, you know, 69. Nice. Damn it! <laughs> I wasn't going there. But anyhow, as I was saying, in 1969, you probably did have some mafia types, the Irish mafia and the Italian Mafia, and the Russian Mafia. You had different Mafias, so it's possible maybe $2 million got thrown into a trash can for some reason. And in our second story, Dr. Mark Toland returns to search for his wife's brother, who he needs for a life-saving operation. Playing Edward Chernoff, comedy royalty, Jerry Stiller. 
what else can we say about Jerry Stiller? We don't need to say anything about Jerry Stiller. Comedy royalty is all you need to say. And playing his wife, Gloria, and Mira, also comedy royalty. You know, you put a Jerry Stiller and an Ann Mira in the room, you know what you get? Gold. You get Ben Stiller. That's what you get. And hilarity. And playing Dr. Mark Toland in the second story, Dano himself, James MacArthur. In other assorted roles, we have Michael Conrad of Hill Street Blues, Alan Sues, and John Delancey. Okay, we all know what's coming here. <laughs> so, Chico, just get it out. Just say it. Yeah, John Delancey, who played Q in the Star Trek universe. Did you know I went to college with his kid? We are both graduates of the University of North Carolina. Okay, Chico. That's sort of the equivalent of me and my story about how I sat next to Joe Esterhaus at the hardball taping and was just like fawning over him because he wrote the cinematic masterpiece of 1995, Showgirls. I've never told that story before. Cinematic masterpiece, prove me wrong. Just like the time I held Matt Trainer's water while signing autographs outside of Shea Stadium once. That's what you're going to hang your hat on? I don't know. This sort of reads like a Coca-Cola commercial in the making here. Well, guys, he is married to Miss D. May, so. It's true. He is. It's a fact. Episode two, The Copywriter and the Figure Skater. Two years ago, a shy, timid, awkward, and clumsy man who works for an ad agency who went to Paris for a shoot meets the beautiful model and is smitten with her. But after fumbling on their first meeting, he thinks he blew it. But she later comes to see him, and she invites him out, but gets the address mixed up. He arrives late, and she left the gig. He stood her up. Now he wants another chance. And in the second story, a young skater who three years ago while competing in Montreal meets another skater, and there's an obvious connection. They want to pursue a relationship, but a woman who claims to be with him tells her, and she leaves, regretting it. Our first story, with Sam Loring as the uh, lovelorn ad man, is played by Richard Mazur. Again, big-time guest star. Our second story, a figure skater named Michelle Fleming is played by uh, John Lovitz's wife, uh, Morgan Fairchild. Yeah, that's the ticket. Hold on. Gene, do you have anything to say about Morgan Fairchild? You're gorgeous. He ain't lying. And I'm just glad to hear that this week, since the 40th anniversary of Match Game Hollywood Squares' premiere was on Halloween. That's right. But you know what that means? We're about a week and a half away from the 40th anniversary of Magnificent Beard Guy getting the $30,000 on back-to-back days. 
not to mention the appearances of Katie the Tomato and a young Butch Hartman. Well, Butch Hartman will be, I think, early January, so we got about two months to go there. Oh my gosh, are we going to do that for the next like nine months? Just like this day in match game history 40 years ago, Katie the Tomato was on. No, 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 no. We have another bit planned for the winter months. But let's not be remiss and mention in December around Christmas. That also means we're going to have the 40th anniversary of Tom Poston taking a nap during the <laughs> super match. What guys have took a nap 40 years ago? Yeah, Tom, you took a nap 40 years ago during the super match. Oh, I took a nap during the super match. Oh, no. There it is. And, and Tom, you've been taking a perpetual dirt nap for the last 15. <laughs> oh, dude. Good night, everybody. Somebody had to break the news to you, and I thought it would be best if a friend did. Okay. I'm basically looking at the guest roster for this second episode. It is amazing. Why did they oh. lead off with this one? This, like the show itself is sort of arranged <laughs> that you can run any of them in any order, and they didn't even run this one. Some of the guest stars in this episode. Lee Merriweather, Lyle Wagoner, Roger Till, Gino Conforti, and a pre-Berlin Terry Nunn. Wow, that list is so exciting. Mike had to take a cough during it. I didn't know we were actually still uh, recording, or not necessarily recording, but you know, live. Whatever. It's live, pal. It's live. Pal. I know. I know it's live, but I thought we were still sort of in a transition phase, talking about this day and match came out with squares. You know, you we can leave all that stuff in this date and match because that'll make this episode even more fun. Here, this is a fun episode, Mike. I'm glad you're here. I really am. This is definitely an episode. Episode three, The Rodeo and the Cop. A rodeo writer returns to 1977 when he was injured, creating an unstable living situation for his daughter. And an L.A. detective returns to 1973 when he got shot in the arrest of a suspected diamond thief. But was the suspect really guilty? Playing the cop, John Slocum... Robert Hooks. And guys, you know what this means. What does this mean, Greg? I get a chance to show this off again. Oh, yeah. Please yeah. explain to the folks at home what that is. I am holding in my hand an autographed Star Trek card from Rittenhouse of Robert Hooks from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Okay. But hold on a second. Since I haven't had a chance to show this off in the tapings, a couple weeks ago at a card show in Hofstra, I got this card. It is an autographed top Star Wars card of John Ratzenberger from The Empire Strikes Back. That's right. John Ratzenberger was in The Empire Strikes Back. Did he do, like, outer space mail delivery? Was he, like, the Star Wars Cliff Clavin? Someone had to give the Rebel Alliance their mail. Hashtag 22,000 outer space big ones. 
Hold on a second. I can say this with confidence. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Chewbacca have not and never will be in my kitchen. Or as John Ratzenberger's character on Star Wars would say, who are three people who've never been in my transporter pod? Mike, I am surprised and impressed. I'm surprised at myself, too. I thought I was just pulling that out of my ass. (laughs) Damn. I actually, like, made a relevant Star Wars reference. I I, I don't know. Anyway. No, I don't think any of us know. What the? It's just some. Oh, God. Okay. But we're not done yet. Because we still have to talk about the rodeo cowboy. Guy by the name of Roy Culper was played by John Beck, who is best known for his work as Moon Pie in Rollerball. The original, not the Chris Evans remake. No, the Chris Klein remake. Damn it, I got my Chris's mixed up again. This morning, I got Chris Evans mixed up with Chris Pratt. Now I'm getting Chris Evans mixed up with Chris Klein. There are too many Chris's in Hollywood. Too many Chris's, too many Chris's, too many... How'd you get him mixed up with America's ass? In 2001, Chico, while Chris Klein was doing rollerball, Chris Evans was doing opposite sex and commercials for GSN. And Chris Pratt was just looking for his big break. Other guest stars include Marsha Strasman, Vic Tabak in The Cop Story as the corrupt chief of police, Chris Mulkey, Lucille Benson, and as John Beck's daughter, Billy Jane, Kyle Richards. Oh, so that would just give us an excuse to bring up Hello Larry. It also gives us an no, excuse. That's Cam Richards. Oh, whatever. Cam. That gives, this gives us a, an excuse to bring up Down to Earth because she was in Down to Earth before. You know, the Bravo bug came in bitter. Okay, this does give us an excuse to talk about this smudge catch me. Yes, I was waiting for this. Yes. I was waiting for somebody to mention the smudge cat meme. Oh, Craig, you just turned this into like one of the best episodes of all time. We get to mention smudge and uh, Kim Richards and Kyle... Richards, the the pointing and the cat eating the vegetables. Oh, my gosh. You know what we're talking about, people. You've seen the smudge memes with the the women pointing and the cat just sort of giving that face with the the plate of uh, vegetables. You know what we're talking about. And if you don't, use Google, please. Love my smudge memes. Hold on. I need to mention Mike, you told us in the chat today about how you mentioned to the kids about wheelchair Jimmy. That's what I referred to him as, yes. In lieu of actually using his real name, yes. Did they know what wheelchair Jimmy was? No, they were like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, Drake was on Degrassi, and he played a character named Jimmy who was wheelchair bound. And they're like, no, he wasn't. It's like, why would I make this up? And then some kid, I think he went on either IMDb or uh, Google Images, and there's the picture of Drake in the wheelchair. It's like, 
I wouldn't lie to you guys. So, yeah, I just like dashed all their hopes and dreams thinking that Drake is such a good person. Uh, no, he was wheelchair Jimmy, but also he's a friggin' groomer. Facts. He did. Look at Millie Bobby Brown. Hey, John Ponchovi's kid has taken her. Thank you very much. One name that you didn't mention playing Lorraine Cole in this episode was Anne Marie Martin. Played Dory DeRoe in 41 episodes of eventual cover Sledgehammer. But also, because the 40th anniversary of this show was earlier this week, she was on a weekend match game at Hollywood Squares Hour in 1984. Wait until we get to that entry in this week in match game Hollywood Squares history. Because also, she was on a week ago and a week of hot potato. I know I don't sound like you. Screw you. Shut the hell up, you son of a bitch. Those are some of the sh impressions of me that I've <laughs> ever heard my entire life. Oh my god. And now the final episode. The Boxer and Death. Death of a series. <laughs> the Am jokes I... write themselves. Am I wrong? No. A lawyer returns to San Francisco on July 12th, 1976 to find out what happens to the woman he still loves. And an ex-prize fighter and his wife returned to New York on May 17th, 1969 when he was coerced into throwing a fight in the fifth round. So the lawyer... Michael Bennett is played by Steve Keneally from, of course, the Dallas. I was hoping it would be played by the former football player, Michael Bennett, or the senator, Michael Bennett. The woman he loves, Liv Stone, is played by Jamie Lynn Bauer, known for 523 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Not as many as James Reynolds, I'm afraid. The prize fighter, Tony Marcello, is played by Paul Sylvan, who is in 21 episodes of Future Entry Busting Loose, not to be confused with Future Entry Bustin Loose, and two episodes of Laverne and Shirley, where he played a guy named Sal Molina. There's actually another place that our listeners would have seen him as a semi-frequent uh, guest. IMDb says he was on 31 episodes of To Say the Least, the Tom Kennedy show back in 1977 and 78. I love that show the most, To Say the Least. It's a good show, and I don't think it's on our list, and I don't know if I want to necessarily add it. I love that show. I'll leave it to the master of the list to make that call. Well, there's three masters of the list, so mm, yeah, yeah, we'll have to put that up to a debate. But hey, we don't need to debate. We need to close this stupid Wait, show I'm not out. Done yet. Oh my gosh, I'm there's sorry. I have to talk about his wife. Go talk about his wife then. Okay, playing his wife, Lisa Marcello, Linda Scruggs, who is in two episodes of 
Baba Black Sheep or Black Sheep Squadron if you want to get syndicated about this. Seven episodes of previous entry Whiz Kids and one episode of future entry Get Christy Love. Yeah, they pretty much saved their weakest episode for last because the only other names I could find are John Bandrelin, and that's only because he was mentioned in the credits. So what happened to this show? Well, CBS put it on the schedule for Thursday night at 8, and it almost immediately derailed in the face of competition from Morgan Mindy and previous entry Angie. Oh, more than that, though. Please do elaborate, Mike. Well, on the first episode, yes, it did go up against Mork and Mindy and Angie, but on NBC, it went up against possible future entry His Honor, but also at 8.30, the Ed McMahon mystery game show, Who Done It? And I know Greg's talked about it in the past because Who Done It didn't last here very long, but it lasted a long time in the UK. But to tie it back in, who hosted the original UK version of Who Done It? It was a doctor. I don't remember which doctor, but it was a doctor. John Pertwee. Third doctor. CBS gave it four episodes in that time slot before putting Time Express in the roundhouse for good setting the cause of train-based entertainment back until at least Shining Time Station premiered. Well, I will add one thing, taking a look at listings. This was listed as a limited-time series, so it doesn't sound like they gave it a 13-episode order. This may have just been filler in mid-to-late spring. So not really a summer series per se, but also not like a replacement series per se. A stopgap, if you will. Yeah, I mean, if it did well, then they could go back and order some more. And if it didn't, then no harm done. Because I watched the episodes. They were not the most expensive things to produce on television. I mean, you had, like, the train set. You had, like, existing Los Angeles Union Station that you could shoot at. And then you had all of the... uh sets that you could just tape well anywhere and given that the show lasted all of four episodes you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who would even remember it it wasn't ever given a proper home release and i don't think that if vincent price were here with us he would talk about it of course this being his first last and only live action television show of course we're not going to talk about the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo although we could but before the advent of the internet, it was all but forgotten by everyone involved. However, you can watch all four episodes of Time Express online for free if you know where to look. Not a you site, but a me site. Wink, wink. Oh, I get it. Hoping to capitalize on both the Love Boat's success and Super Train's failure, the Time Express came... And then went. And it became a thing on TV. But we're not done yet because Joey Gallo, that's old and busted. What's the new hotness, Greg? 
That's right, Chico. Because for the winter, Joey Gallo's gone. But who can we get that we lovingly talk about in these Zoom chats for a new segment this winter? Conan O'Brien? No, he has a friend. Oh, I know. It's time for the first ever Russell Westbrook update. Russell Westbrook, he can sure score triple doubles, but he sure as hell can't think straight when he's trying to make a pass. It's the Russell Westbrook update. He's not the best crook. He's a Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I like yours better. So we're five games as of the time we're recording this on November 3rd into the NBA season for the Clippers. In his first game of the season, Russ had 11 points against the Portland Trailblazers on October 25th. On October 27th against the Jazz, he scored only four points. That's sad. On October 29th against the Spurs, where the Clippers won by 40, he scored 19 points. On Halloween against the Magic, the Clippers won by 16. He scored 18 points. So he was basically the winning difference. Yeah. Congratulations to him. But then on Wednesday, though, the Clippers, they bore lead to the Lakers and lost 130 to 125. And he scored 24 points. So let's see. One, two, three, four. So four of his five games, he scored in double figures. And I should note, at the time we're recording this, who did the Clippers just add? Can we just say, like, renowned ball hog James Harden? Who's on, what, his 10th team now? Not that many, but it just seems like it. Let's see. OKC, then he went to Houston. And then from Houston, he went to New Jersey. And then from New Jersey, he went to Philadelphia. And now he's in Los Angeles with the Clippers. So that should be five. Correction. Brooklyn. They've been the Brooklyn Nets for about... Did I call them New Jersey? Yeah, you did. I know they've been in Brooklyn for the last, like, 15 years. Dang. Well... Old habits are tough to break. I'm sorry. But still, fifth team in his career. So let's get something straight. Who's going to get all the shots between him, Russ, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard? That's a good question. I don't have an answer for that. Wait, is DeAndre Jordan still with the Clippers? No, he's with Denver. Oh, so he got his title last year. He got a ring. Yeah, see? Now they finally paid off the bit from the freaking uh, State Farm commercial where he was in Dragon with say, they took all my rings. Well, you ain't got no rings. Can't use that bit anymore. No, but you can still use it for Chris Paul. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us here, and it was a thing on TV. Of course, our... Celebration of Doctor Who continues. 
for the next month or so. Editor's note, two in the next three weeks, not the next month. But anyway, if you want to go back in time, you can always visit it. Was a thing on TV.com. You can listen to the 425 episodes that preceded this one. All sorts of bonuses, minisodes, live shows, extended versions, instant reactions. And don't forget, you want to follow us on all social media as well at It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, where we are at It Was a Thing on TV podcast. Subscribe to the podcast wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Apple, TuneIn, iHeart, Audible, you name it, we're there. And don't forget, we are also on YouTube where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to hit the notification bell to be informed on all future uploads, including what's coming up on the podcast next time. So last week, we had things that featured Doctor Who actors. This week, we had things that featured Doctor Who concepts, just, you know, stuff about aliens and time travel, whatever. Next week... We're going for the mothership. We have two actual Doctor Who entries. The first is a classic series-long arc. And then there's the second one that was lost until about 10 years or so ago. When Well, let me get some straight. There's going to be a long explanation for this. So it's a bunch of episodes. Some have been partially found and some are still lost. I'll explain all that next week. So our celebration of the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who continues next week on It Was a Thing on TV. For Greg, for Mike, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to one another, and we will see you for the next one. Row! What would you do if you could travel back in time and relive a turning point in your life? It's possible aboard the Time Express. A doctor must find a mysterious man from his wife's past. I'm asking you to save her life. I can die. Our second passenger is a garbage man who bags a fortune. There are two million dollars here. And I'm giving back every penny of it. Join me and my passengers on the Time Express, Thursday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. The Time Express. Definitely not super train. Not even a mediocre train. It's a train going to nowhere. Dang.